0: Coming to you from the Blake Street Tavern, we are joined by the 2013 Buffalo Heart Award winner, Parker Orms, as a special guest on Buff Stampede Radio this week. My name is Adam Munster-Tiger, the publisher of buffstampede.com, and as always, joined by senior writer Ryan Koenigsberg. How are you guys doing?
1: Doing great. It's Good. a pleasure to be here.
0: Well, Parker, it's exciting to have you on the show because you had just finished up your career at CU, so we can get kind of insight into what it's like to be a Colorado Buffalo. Uh, especially, you, you had kind of a tumultuous... You know, stretch of time being a Colorado Buffalo but you enjoyed a lot of success and I'm sure have a lot of great moments and we'll touch on a lot of those. Just jumping into it though I mean this is the first year in five
1: years you're not a part of the team
0: for spring practices. Was that kind of an adjustment for you?
1: Yeah it's weird it's, not, uh, it's weird not being out there uh, in football pads running around going to meetings and stuff like that. Uh, just strictly working out and uh, it's just a waiting game right now, and uh, but I wish I was out there uh, this spring as a buff. So you're working out with Warren Landau, uh, you know, a renowned trainer here in the area. You're, you're hoping to get a chance
0: with an NFL team. Uh, as far as looking back to your college career, being a Colorado
1: Buffalo, what's the thing you feel like you missed the most
0: of being that student-athlete on campus at CU?
1: Uh, just the camaraderie with the guys. Just being a buff, it's special. It's it's uh, something I always wanted to be, and I got the pleasure to be one. And um, uh, I wouldn't take back anything except for uh, I wish I could have won some more games for the fans, but it was uh, it was a great time at CU, and I'll never forget it. Is there one memory that that stands out to you when you think
0: back to your career with Colorado? That's this one moment that you'll always remember that you would kind of say is your
1: best moment as a Colorado Buffalo It was probably winning that Buffalo hard award, even at the end of the game though, even though we lost, uh, there was a player winning that award and uh, I was happy for that. Um, And just looking over my whole career starting, took me a a long road to get the scholarship to uh, CU and it was a long road during CU, but. just to know that I won something or got an award for something at CU that I can uh, always look back on That's something special.
0: Did you go into that season wanting
1: that award? Did, obviously it has a significance
0: as far as being from the fans, but or was it something that just kind of caught you off guard that you weren't really expecting?
1: Yeah, I really didn't even know about the award at okay. all. So when I I know the week before they were talking about it and that some guys were up for the award. Uh, I was hoping to win it. There was a lot of guys that I could have, for sure. So I was happy I I was the one that came out with it. But I I even after that uh, game, though, I remember going into the locker room with the award. And I broke down, but I just told the, the whole senior class that this really this award should go to everybody else. Awesome. I
2: think my my favorite moment with you being a Buff might have to be that hit that you put on. Uh, Utah in 2011, what does it feel like to, to blow someone up like that?
1: <laughs> oh man, especially after that year, because I had gotten suspended before. And it was uh, the year after I had torn my ACL on. I wasn't sure how I would come back and be able to contribute, really. And then I finally got out there. And it was the last game of the year. Like two minutes left, and I finally got a good hit on somebody. <laughs> it was a penalty, of course, but... Uh, <laughs> I thought it was a clean hit, but I'll remember that for sure. The fans are going all crazy, and I was getting like milk thrown at me. <laughs> <happened>. <laughs> it was funny.
2: How many times have you rewatched that hit?
1: Uh, a lot. I- it's on YouTube actually. There's probably like four thousand views. I've probably been about three thousand
2: of those views. <laughs> yeah, see I got it right here. We got
1: 3, yeah, yeah. views. Yeah, three thousand of those are probably mine. <laughs> Only in Salt Lake though did you get milk thrown on you. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> those fans are crazy out there. That's a good that's gonna be a big rivalry I think for
2: CU. Yeah, I remember a couple guys after that game, especially. I think Tony Clemens was talking about like some crazy stuff that the fans were doing that game, with yelling crazy things. Oh yeah,
1: definitely. I think that I wasn't the only one getting milk thrown. I think Brady Day was one guy. I think he had like chocolate milk all over his Jeez. shirt. It was probably for some from some kid too. Uh,
2: what stadium sells milk? <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's one thing. We're like, where does this kid get his chocolate milk? But
1: those fans are crazy, just like ours, though. So.
2: Oh, a good, a good. I want to know what, what was the hardest thing about playing for three staffs in like one college career? It was just trying to prove yourself.
1: It seemed like every every time a new coach comes in, you have to try and prove yourself. And, uh, I think if you have like a guy, if you have the same coach for four years, you can prove yourself right away and then the coach will kind of understand how you play and that you can play or that you're a good player and stuff. But it seemed like Okay, it's a new guy. I gotta show him what I can do, else I'm gonna like get beat out by some other guy. That was the biggest thing for me.
2: What was the, what would you say is the favorite thing you had
1: about each staff? Favorite thing? Um, with Coach Hawkins, I like the uh, what was that room called that we the thunder shoot that we'd run out. Everybody loved that thunder shoot. I think Hawkins brought that in too. But I love that about him. But as a person, uh. Coach Hawkins could give really good speeches before the games. I remember that everyone was uh, really pumped up to go out and play after he would speak. Uh, Coach Embry, he had a lot of emotion. After someone make a good play, he'd be running out on the field, jumping up and down. And he also, uh, with education, I know that he uh, he helped me get a better GPA. If it wasn't for him, I'd probably it would probably have been a lot lower. And. Uh, with Coach Mack, he's just such a smart guy, especially for a defensive back. He knew so much about being a DB, playing the position, and uh, he just brought so much
2: uh, to the table that I didn't even know before. What do you think uh, was like the eventual downfall of the Hawkins staff and the Embry staff? Uh, it's
1: just people want people want to win games, and that's just how it is in this business. You have to win games if you're going six and six out of one of those bigger time schools and we have to compete with that so if you're only winning one to three games uh, it's just not acceptable nowadays.
0: Well we talked a lot about your time at CU already on this show. I want to go back a little ways though because you have kind of an interesting story. You're a Denver native. You're, you're from this area. Um, was there a point growing up you knew you were better than most of your peers at football? When did, when did that Kind of become a reality, of, you know, in terms of excelling at the sport.
1: I remember, uh, cause I didn't play uh, varsity as a freshman, and that was a big thing I wanted to do. But uh, the coach said I wasn't big enough or uh, good enough to play varsity right away. So then the next year, I wanted to play with my brother, and I just, uh, cause he was a quarterback that year, and it was his senior year. And I just wanted to get on the field. And I remember we were at this, uh, like, camp before the season where we play other schools. And I was just playing receiver at that time. And I was open for three touchdown passes and dropped all three of them. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. I can't believe this is happening. And then, finally, uh, we're playing. I actually have a huge – it was a big – one of my biggest hits I've ever had was my very first game as – Sophomore, we're playing this team Montrose, and they fill up their stadium. So we went down there, and it was coming out at halftime. The lights are all on and stuff, and I was just—I knew this is my time to uh, this like time to shine. Like I knew this, this is what I was made to do. And I remember the quarterback running down the sideline, and I just killed him, kind of like that uh, Utah hit. <laughs> and that was like at that point, I knew I could play. And I had a big coming out against Thunder Ridge. I had like 15 tackles, and I was in the newspaper and stuff. And I don't know, just knowing that that like that's what I wanted to do growing up, and I was always hoping I could go up and play at CU. And I'm glad I got that opportunity. And obviously,
0: that that season you're talking about with Dylan, your older brother, as a starting quarterback at Wheat Ridge, mm-hmm. uh, you, you caught a touchdown pass from him in the state yeah. championship game. Being able to share that season, even though you were young in your football career at that stage, where does that season, that, you know, that state championship, kind of rank in your sports moments? Is that up there near the top?
1: Oh yeah, I remember that touchdown passing throw uh, he threw too, because he called that one out too. He just told me go line up outside. I think I was, uh, I think I was um, on the line of scrimmage too, and I was supposed okay. to be off at that time, so it should have been a penalty. But nobody knows that except for us. And then uh, I just remember that was the only touchdown pass we connected on, and he called out the play, and I can remember it being in like slow motion, right into my hands, perfect pass. That was just a perfect moment. Cause growing up, we do we did that a hundred times yeah. in the backyard or at practice and all that kind of stuff. So that was that was a big moment for my family and uh, me. Your so
0: your brother was two years older than you. Uh, correct. So he went up to UNC and played there. But just growing up, how competitive was the household between you guys? Was there kind of that brotherly rivalry that you see in a lot of families?
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, we competed over a lot of things. I I think I let him beat me a few times just so I wouldn't get my butt kicked. You know what I'm saying? But. Uh, it was just a big thing. Broncos games every every uh, halftime we'd go out in the backyard and my uncle we'd play one on one against each other all the time.
0: When when did you start beating your brother with consistency? <laughs>
1: I don't know. I think he, I still let him win all the time. <laughs> he doesn't know I let him win. He still thinks he beats me. But <laughs> no, my brother's a great athlete. He's got the height advantage on me too. So. Uh, I don't know, I still think that he is a better athlete, athlete than me.
0: How much do you think that helped both of you in terms of your careers, having you know
1: that competitor in your own household? Oh yeah, that was huge. I wouldn't be the athlete I am without my older brother. If I was, uh, if I was the older brother and I didn't have an, uh, an older brother pushing me to uh, excel like he did. I definitely wouldn't be here right now. Do you remember when you got your first recruiting interest? Was it a letter or a phone call or a school stop by, Wheat Ridge High School? Yeah, I remember Coach Hawkins stopped by my sophomore year at the end of the season. And that was like a huge thing because I don't think a D1 coach has been around Wheat Ridge for a while. So everyone was talking about it. And I remember going and meeting him. And the big thing he was talking about was uh, my academics and having to get that up. And so I remember getting just as, working as hard as I could on school, and got a straight
2: A's that semester. So that after, was a big thing. After that, did it kind of get frustrating that you weren't actually getting the offers that you know you thought you might be getting? Yeah, I definitely thought that I would have got a lot more offers uh, after that. Even I think it was a big
1: thing my junior year we didn't make the playoffs, um, but I still thought I would get a lot more attention. Uh, I'm happy how it turned out. Uh, I think it pushed me my senior year to play the way I did and win a state ch- uh, championship that year too. Was, uh, were Wyoming
2: and UNLV the only two other schools to come in? Yep, those are the
1: only. I remember getting the Wyoming uh, scholarship letter. Um, that was the first one I got. And I thought they would keep coming after that. And UNLV didn't offer me until the beginning of my senior year. And I was talking to some other schools. I think Kansas State came out to one of my baseball games, and it was like a semifinal state championship game. And I had this nice diving catch, uh, like save like the game or whatever. And the recruiter at that time said that he would give me a scholarship right away. And then they uh, didn't end up giving me anything, and I was kind of <laughs> mad about that. But yeah, it's a tough thing to get a scholarship a lot of empty promises from schools? or Yeah, I mean, nobody really ever promised me anything. They showed a lot of interest, and you get all those uh, letters in the mail from all types of schools, but they're probably just letters they send out to every kid, you know, but I have stacks and piles of those. It's cool to get that uh, kind of attention, but... I wish I would have got a couple more scholarships, but in the end, I would have picked CU no matter what. Did you get
0: Buff Bucks? I think is what they call it. John Major showed this on a video <laughs> documentary of recruiting, and yet this box that showed had Monopoly money of like what it was worth to. to maybe maybe this was after or before. I, I can't remember uh, when oh, they started doing that. Did you get the? the I box don't know of if I got money? that.
1: John Major definitely probably got. That. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I just thought it was funny. I remember my recruiting trip when they actually gave me an official visit up to CU, and they give you the hotel room, and they have like like kind of like a poster of you in a CU yeah uniform and stuff. So there's a lot of cool stuff that goes in recruiting. I definitely think guys that get you know like hundreds of scholarships they get the most stuff,
0: but yeah. Did you, did you have an offer from Colorado when you took that official visit or was
1: that prior to getting the offer? Yeah, Coach Brown called me and he said, I think he's going to, Coach Hawkins is going to give you a scholarship because Coach Brown is my recruiter and uh, it was right before my, it was right after my first playoff game and I rushed for like 350 yards or something like that and uh it was just a big uh, day, because I think it was like a couple of days after that game, they called me and wanted me to go up there. And I remember Coach Hawkins sitting me down, and he said, we want you, do you want to be a buff? And I said, yes, sir. Well,
0: how much weight was lifted off your shoulders when they finally came through with that offer?
1: It was huge, because that was all I was thinking about, kind of. Well, I was thinking about winning the state championship most, but also in the back of my mind is am I gonna go to Wyoming or am I gonna go to Las Vegas, <laughs> you know something like that and uh, I just wanted that C scholarship so bad so that was just a big that was huge for me to get that final.
0: I remember during the 2008 season, uh, seeing you play against Green Mountain, and you had already established yourself as one of the top prep players. But I remember that was a game in particular where I was standing on the Green Mountain sideline, and I could hear the coaches and players. They kept talking about you, not not Wheat Ridge. They were talking about the effort Parker Orms, <laughs> and you still. I mean, their whole focus was on stopping you, and you had you averaged 12 yards per carry in that game. And he had three touchdowns, and it, that was kind of a moment for me. It was it was late September of your your senior year, and I remember at that point the, the offers weren't coming, in and, and that, that's when I was starting to kind of scratch my head and wonder why more schools weren't coming after you. Do you think it might have been part of partly your your size, and maybe also that you didn't have one true position that you were kind of versatile in high school?
1: Yeah, definitely. I, talking about high school, I always just think, why didn't I try and be running back in college? But. I'm glad I chose defensive back. I think it was a huge thing that I didn't, maybe I should have focused on just one position, like some of these schools, but I'm glad that I played both ways, and uh, I wouldn't trade it if I could. So you didn't think you were going to be a defensive back, or did did it become kind of No, I kind of knew I was going to be a defensive back, because Coach Brown was the uh, defensive back's coach, and he really wanted me to be a DB, and... So kind of right away, I was like, Am I, the only way I'm going to get a scholarship is if I played defense in college. So I just focused on that and recruiting, and um, that's just how it ended up.
0: Did you have any idea, though, that you'd end up playing every
1: secondary position when you signed up? <laughs> I did not know I'd play corner in college at all. And, and I didn't even know about the nickelback position before I got up there. But uh, I'm glad that I did that because I know at the next level they want to look at guys that uh, are versatile and can play all three positions.
0: You shared a funny story before we uh, started uh, the show about CSU and how you had kind of made it known that you wanted to go to CU so they didn't show a ton of interest but you said you have
1: a CSU jersey actually hanging in your closet. <laughs> yeah I do I need to burn that jersey but um, <laughs> uh, yeah it was funny CSU kind of didn't really treat me like, I was gonna like, they were recruiting me, they were kind of just all right, this guy's like CU, why should we recruit him to be a, a Ram? Um, but I don't know, I, I, I don't blame them for sure.
0: <laughs> so, uh, the, the state championship game of your senior year is I would, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but if you talk about athletic accomplishment, accomplishments, that's going to be number one on the list, right?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I was just talking, if I have a bad day or something, I'll go up and look at that there highlight, and that'll cheer me up a little bit. Um, but I'm glad I have that to look back on, and everyone's dream that's a football player who wants to score the game-winning touchdown. I think everybody knows what happened
0: in that game. If you don't, it's fourth and two, I believe at the 44-yard line. There's seconds remaining on the clock, and you were, you were saying that your teammates were almost, were crying in the
1: huddle because they, they had basically kind of given up on the game. Yeah, everyone was giving up on the game. Even talking to the guy, or my best friends in the uh, in the cheering section, they were they said that their emotions haven't changed that fast because we were winning the game by like three scores, and they go down, throw a touchdown pass uh get the ball back again score another touchdown and then get an onside kick and then go down and score another touchdown so we just were like how do we lose this game and then we go down and then we and then i scored the game winning touchdown or whatever but it was crazy i remember before the game we were doing some press conferences and uh, i was talking about how when i was younger watching uh, the broncos and, uh, Trell Davis, um, and John Elway, winning that uh, Super Bowl. i remember running around my basement, like pretending I was going to win the game when he touched down, and jumping over into like a pile of pillows or whatever <laughs> to win the game. And then she brought that up to me after the game that I said that again. So it's just, it was just, it's just a real moment for sure. Does it sink in right away, or does it take some time to really uh, realize what you accomplished there? No, I remember I watched the interview too. Uh, from the game, and uh, I was just yelling, I was just screaming like, did that just happen? Did that just happen? It's so funny to look back. I have this mullet, too, because <laughs> all of us got, I don't know, my best friend's like crazy with haircuts and mullets, and he loved that, so we all cut mullets into our hair after the game. <laughs> oh, it's funny. I'm in the, I think I was on the front page of the Denver Post, too, and I'm just like holding the trophy with like this mean mullet. It's It's hilarious. So a couple
0: months later after that game you signed with Colorado, was that, you know, when you actually make it official, you know, talk about the emotions of that day, signing day, me officially being a Colorado Buffalo, kind of
1: fulfilling that childhood dream. Yeah, I felt like the weight was lifted off my shoulders, and it just made me happy that I, growing up I went to the games with my great aunt who's a Buff Bell and hasn't missed a game in like 40 years, and it was just big for my family, that they could come and watch my games and see me in a buff uniform. and uh, That was definitely one of the happiest days of my life when I finally signed that letter.
0: So you stepped foot on campus and you, and you
1: redshirted that first year. Was
0: your mentality coming in wanting to play right away or did you kind of have uh, acceptance towards that redshirt and did you, you kind of embrace that first year?
1: Yeah, definitely. I wanted to go in and play right away. Um, I remember another story is that uh, I was up at summer workouts because I went up there for the summer and started summer school right away, and all these guys were racing to see who was the fastest guy on the team, and I remember it was Brian Lockridge, Speedy Stewart, Jaffe, and me, and I we all lined up and I beat these guys, and everyone was like talking about me that day and stuff, and I was I was I was thinking after that like oh man I could I don't think I could actually play. I could, but we get into training camp, and Coach Brown's throwing all this knowledge at me, on me, and I had no idea what I was doing. In high school, we just played, like, 3-D. I was a middle field safety, and then I had to learn 50 defenses. So that was a big thing, transitioning from high school to college. And it seemed like that, that spring was kind of your coming up party,
0: at least in terms of Uh, getting the recognition from the coaches talking to the media at least from from my standpoint all of a sudden you know the coaches are talking about you and it was in that nickelback role that you had kind of uh, had success at at least in practice and I believe that spring you were the third pick of the the spring game draft as a redshirt freshman was that a moment where you kind of realized okay I'm making an impact here at least in practice?
1: Yeah that spring I remember Derek Webb was another guy who thought he would come in and start right away and we were roommates together and we watched that year and um, we didn't make a bowl game or anything like that and we thought we should have been out there playing so I remember we were just in our uh, dorm room people would be going out like Thursday nights but we'd be in there like doing push-ups clap push-ups and stuff listening to Eminem and Gucci and all these guys (laughs) And, uh, and then we went out there and that spring we made a name for ourselves and we knew that we, we belonged on the field out there. Derek Webb was a
2: big rapper. Did you guys ever try and lay down the track
1: together? <laughs> uh, we freestyled a few times. You can ask some people about my freestyle on the bus, but I don't want to talk about
0: it. <laughs> so, so everybody's really excited to see the, the local kid uh, as a guy making, a, hopefully, a big impact as a retro freshman. Then three plays into your career, you tear an ACL. Uh, you've talked a lot on the record about that in the past and how devastating that was. Is it something now you can look back at end- or does it still bother you to this day?
1: Uh, yeah, it still bothers me. That was supposed to be a huge day. I remember my mom and grandma got like a limo for my game, or they were going to leave my game to go up and watch my brother's game. And they left before that even happened, because they can only see my first series. So I played the first series, and then I went down on punt and just blew my ACL out and i just couldn't believe it happened at all but i just remember that the reason i like worked so hard training is when i was out there i just remember like looking in the stands and that's just where I, that's where i belonged out there on the field so i knew like i could get back to that And good thing i could, I came back and played the first game right away and i uh played
2: a lot of that next season how much do you think that injury and your other injuries eventually slowed you down. You talked about being, you know, one of the fastest guys on the team. Yeah, it definitely slowed me
1: down. I think I, I wish I could race myself back then. But uh, working with Lauren, uh, he's got me to where I feel like I'm in the best shape of my life right now.
2: Yeah, talk a little bit about uh, your training that you're doing. With yeah, I'm
1: working uh, with Lauren Landau. He's uh, he's a world renowned uh, trainer and. He trains all types of guys that have made it and have been successful in the NFL and uh, even the major leagues and uh, even UFC fighters and stuff like that. So I think I'm working with the guy that's going to push me to excel in the, to the next level.
2: You said you, you saw Missy Franklin in there once, too. Yeah, I
1: saw Miss Fr- Missy Franklin. Um, Tim Tebow has a bunch of pictures up in there. He uh, trained... Uh, Brian Dawkins, a lot of guys, and I just hope one day I can put my jersey up there next to theirs. Talking a little bit
2: more about that injury, was was it hard? Or did you know consciously when you came back? Did you feel a step slower? Was it hard realizing that?
1: Yeah, definitely, cause they made me wear a knee brace, and just if you ever put one of those on, you just feel awkward wearing that type of thing, and. Uh, I felt a little bit slower, but I, didn't, I just told myself that you can't think about it when you're out there playing. You just gotta uh, just play like nothing like nothing's wrong, and
2: um, it will be a lot better than thinking about it the whole time. Once you finally did come back, was that was that a strange uh, season? Because you know you're playing corner and. All that kind of stuff, and then you got Jason Espinoza and Dee, Dee Goodson and Brad Locker <laughs> somehow on your side of the ball. Oh
1: yeah, I felt so bad for those guys because it seemed like I you know a couple of us got uh, suspended, and, um, and there was guys getting hurt that year, and we just had to find anybody that could go out there so we could compete. And um, I think they did all right, uh, given the circumstances, never playing it before. They went out there and competed, and that's all you can ask for.
2: Was it funny for, for you guys when Jason Espinoza gets a couple in- interceptions? Yeah,
1: Jason went in there. I remember the Arizona game. We were talking about this play the whole time. And I was out there waiting for that play to happen. And I pull my hamstring and I go out. And then, like, the next series they throw that pass and Jason gets the pick. <laughs> <laughs> and then they started calling him SB Island. But Jason's a great guy. That was awesome for him. He got a pick against Matt Barkley. And... Uh, The dude from Arizona, yeah, Nick Foles. Those are two big-name quarterbacks. You talked about that hit at Utah, and that was the
0: biggest game, obviously, of the Embry era, breaking that long losing streak. As media members, I was so sick of having to ask players about that streak, but it was like you almost had to do it every time the team was going on on the road. You talked about Embry having emotion, and you see just kind of the celebration that happened after that game. Was that the the biggest celebration you were ever a part of as a member of Colorado? I mean, you had chocolate milk thrown on you. During the <laughs> you have this flag, this this uh, unsportsmanlike penalty against you, which was bogus, obviously. If you if you watch the tape of that, and then you know that you have broken this long streak. Was that kind of the the best moment that you guys had under under Embry?
1: Yeah, definitely. I, everyone thought it was going to change after that, and we're all excited to go into the next season. Uh, we ended up losing to CSU and that kind of just like put us back to where we were before that game and I don't know, it's tough. We had a couple times like that where we've had some huge celebrations like after we beat Washington State the next year um, or uh, yeah, the next year or whatever and for that same year when we lost to CSU and that was like a huge celebration, comeback victory and everyone's excited to go play the next game and then I don't know what happened, we'd go out and Lose by a lot of points, and that kind of breaks you down after a while. And it's the worst when you're sitting there and you're on the bench, and you think that you can change it. Then you go out there, and you can't really even make a difference. It's it's tough. But I know that it is going to change around, especially with this new coaching staff and the recruits they're bringing
2: in.
0: So, so you things. you had kind of gotten that injury label on you when you were an underclass but you come back as a junior play 10 games the two games you did miss were from concussions mm-hmm. were those the first concussions you had suffered at as a football player
1: yeah uh, that are uh, recorded I don't know I mean everyone gets big hits they get their bell rung and stuff and now nowadays if you can't remember what uh, like the months backwards in a certain amount of time then they're gonna say okay you can't play the next game And there's a lot of things that go into it which is good I think because it's going to make the game a lot safer no one really has uh, big injuries that might hurt you in the long run, but I think that I I can stay healthy these last two years. I think that it's been just a couple things, but not huge injuries that are going to keep me from playing the game. Was that scary
0: at all though, the concussion issues, going through that for the first time I mean, obviously you have that protocol where, like you said, they're, they're trying to make it as safe as possible. Is that kind of a, obviously that's a different type of injury than when you blow out your knee or roll your ankle. How, how did you kind of mentally come back from that?
1: Um, just coming back from uh, really any, any injury. You can't think about it. You can't stop what, how you play the game. Uh, that's going to keep you from getting injuries. That'll just get you hurt even more so you just gotta go out there and play like uh, you did before the
2: injury, I think. I remember Embry saying that, you know, it, he was worried about you even coming back with, with concussion issues. Was that ever a real possibility for you, or was that kind of just a, a scary moment um, I think it was just, I know
1: Embry's had some guys who have uh, really gotten, uh, had problems with uh, concussions and stuff, so he was just looking out for me and, any athlete really he doesn't want them to go down that same path but I knew that it was just a minor thing and that I was going to come back from it. You talked about
0: winning the Buffalo Heart Award as kind of the, the moment you'll cherish the most. Were there any other moments this past season as a senior that kind of stuck out in terms of uh, did you? had you kind of embraced that it was the end of the road for you at CU?
1: Yeah um First two games, one of those two games in a row being two and 0, that those huge. Beating CSU was a big thing for us because that was really the first time a lot of guys were really nervous a little bit to play those guys. Like we didn't want, like thinking that there is a possibility that we can lose to them. And we wanted to go out there and uh, really win that. Every year we want to win that game, and it's a great uh, competitive, uh, competitive game, but. Um, we wanted to go out there that year and win that game, especially, and we did it. And moved on to the next game. We won that one, and then it started going down that same path the year before, where we're getting beat by a lot of points. And we think that we're a lot better than that. We don't understand why it's happening. Was the the Boulder flood did that affect this team at all? You
0: you guys were like you said playing good football, and then you have this long break that is unheard of in a college football season. Right?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think. Uh, not having that game, or having, it was like three or four weeks of uh, just practicing. Uh, when you have a momentum like that, it kind of kills it. It would kill any team, I think, and that definitely hurt us out here last year. Any regrets about your career at CU? Oh, I always say just not running as hard as I uh, could down in that first play but okay. uh, when I, when I tore my ACL, but I mean, you can't, like I said before, you can't, have any regrets and that's something Coach Mack said all the time no regrets, no excuses. If this team
0: this year or next year makes a bowl game will you as a player that played recently feel some pride in that? Will you still be able to kind of
1: enjoy that on some level? Oh yeah definitely I want to go to the game. Coach Mack said that he'd fly us out so I'm going to take up his offer but even if he doesn't I want to go out there and support those guys.
0: Covering practices throughout your career more times than not, you'd have your mom and your grandmother there supporting you. Talk a little bit about
1: that family support and, and how much did that help you through, obviously, some of these tougher times we talked about up at you? Yeah, I don't think my mom's missed a practice of mine since I was a little kid. So, that was a big thing, being able to go up to see you, have my grandma and my family that could come up and watch me all the time. That was uh, big for me and my family. Even the family dog made yeah, the Yeah, even, even Pete. <laughs> Pete made it up. Uh, <laughs> But no, that's having that love and support, uh, there's nothing like that. You
0: played in, the, in an All-Star game in January, right? It was like the first year of, uh, I believe it was the Medal of Honor Bowl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk, uh, I don't think a lot of people know about that game. It is. This was the first year it was played. How did they make the teams, and what was kind of the structure of, of the game?
1: Yeah, it was sweet. So there was kind of like a West Coast, East Coast deal, where the West uh, uh, All-Stars would play against the Eastern uh, All-Stars, uh, College All-Stars or whatever, and uh, they split up the teams. And... Uh, I met a really, my roommate was a really cool guy, and um, I'm going to be friends with him forever. I met a lot of good guys out there, and um, the game was really competitive. It's kind of cool for that first time where you have NFL coaches, it was NFL rules, and all these scouts. What was funny is that they put you in this hotel with all these scouts and stuff, too, so you have to just, uh, like, behave the whole time. You know, you're, like, (laughs) really just, like, (laughs) and... um, they put this name tag on you, so when, like, the East Coast has meetings, like, the West Coast guys will go down there, and uh, they'll all have their name tags, and uh, we're just, like, in this little hotel lobby, and there's all these scouts sitting around, like, looking for your name tag, and, like, if they pick you, they want to talk to you for a little bit, so everyone's just, like, standing up, trying to, like, you looking for me, or, and that was a big, it was, it was a really cool uh, experience. Who, who's your roommate for that um, it was this guy, uh, Gerald, um, yeah, I can't think of his last name right You're now, where he went but to, we called him G, I just remember okay. calling called him G. He went to, um, I think it was Idaho State, it was a smaller school okay. though, and he um, he was a great athlete, just a really nice kid, he had a family kind of like mine. They all like came into the hotel and were giving us all kinds of food and stuff. It was really sweet. So your career at CU is done. You graduated there, and you talked about working with Lauren
0: Landau. Now the NFL draft is later this week. You have aspirations to keep playing football. Talk a little bit about what you, your your hopes and aspirations are for the future.
1: Yeah, I just want another shot to uh, play another football game and put on pads and go out there and compete with uh, great athletes and. Just as some every kid that wants to play football, they want to be in the NFL. So I hope I get that opportunity, and uh, I'm gonna make the most of it and uh, enjoy it. Enjoy
0: obviously, the ride. yeah. Obviously, the NFL is the ultimate goal. You even have some guys like B.J. Beatty, a
1: former CFL player, playing over in Japan. Would you be open to opportunities, kind of to play somewhere else? Yeah, definitely. I just want if there's an opportunity for me and someone wants me to be on their team, I'm gonna I'm gonna take it. And, uh, those guys that. I, go all over the world to play football, I want to be one of those guys, and it just shows
2: you how much uh, heart they have for the game. We, we kind of talked a little bit before the show about the process of getting signed as a free agent. Um, I don't think a lot of people understand that, because I know it was new to me talking to you about it, but mm-hmm. um, you know, after the draft, you're hoping to get a call from a team, but we were talking, you don't necessarily have to you know, take that first call.
1: Right, yeah, so uh, just talking with my agent and stuff. I didn't really know about it either, but you kind of, so there's the draft, there's the three days of the draft, and then after all the picks are made, all the teams still make their calls to see if they can get free agents. So if I don't get drafted, then I'll be waiting for a call like that for a free agent, and then uh, it could be one team, or it could be a number of teams, so just my agent told me to be patient, and we're going to find the
2: best fit for me. You, you, talk, you talked about kind of finding the right fit for you, I, I, if that happens, but you also talked about how, how cool it would be to be a Denver Bronco, is that is that the ultimate dream if that was the right fit?
1: Yeah, definitely, I think, well, I always said why I wanted to be a Buff is because I grew up rooting for them. why wouldn't I want to be one of them, so that's the same with the Broncos, I have all this Broncos gear, I have cheered for them, I want them to win the Super Bowl every year, so I hope I can be a part of that.
2: Um, Going a little bit back to you, who was the funniest player that you uh, you shared time with there too? Funniest player?
1: There's so many guys up there that, uh, but um, a guy like Derek Webb, he's just like has the best energy around him all the time, you know. And then, but I've had tons of best friends like Alex Wood, who was a walk on from Steamboat, Nick Casa, who was. 'Cause there's a funny picture of us in the paper too that I have, where he was the defensive player of the year and I was the offensive player of the year, and like my head coach was in the middle of us. And it's funny that we were roommates right when we got up there too, that first summer. But there's tons of guys that
2: I have so many experiences with that I could tell you about. Do You have any uh, any good stories or of uh, something funny, like a prank or anything like that that went on? Um. You talked about rapping on the bus. That's a funny thing for sure.
1: Um, I'll tell you about that after. But um, uh,
0: if you ever, uh,
1: there's a bunch of rookie shows we would have before the season, or of guys that would have to stand up and every freshman or rookie that comes in, um, at. Uh, like a training table or lunch or dinner, they have to uh, get up on the uh, top of the tables and sing and stuff like that. <laughs> and uh, there was just some funny guys. I remember Austin Biznow, <laughs> who tried out for American Idol. Yeah, and didn't make it or whatever. He was really full of himself, kind of. So <laughs> he, uh, we were always yelling like Austin, sing, like sing for us. And he'd always get up there and act so serious <laughs> when he was up there, and we'd all just be kind of. You'd think we'd be laughing with him, but we were kind of laughing at him.
2: But. What did you sing when you had to get up there?
1: I sang the Hangover song in the first, uh, the first movie where he's singing about Doug getting uh, lost or whatever. <laughs> like, it was like the uh, What Do Tigers Dream Of song. Yes, <laughs> That was a hit, i passed Because if you don't pass, they boo you and you have to sing another song. So I'm glad <laughs> I got that out of my... Like, I was a nervous
2: kid too when I first got up there. We kind of talked, you talked about, you know, the recruits that this staff is bringing in. Uh, Besides, you know, this new facilities project, what do you think that staff, you know, has to do to bring the high-level recruits in? I think that that's a
1: big thing, uh, getting those new facilities. We just got to compete with those other programs that have the money to do it. So we we have to raise that money. And one thing that I know is that guys always talk about uniforms, so if we could get some new sweet uniforms like uh, Oregon. I know that's going to be hard to
2: compete with, but if you can get stuff like that, that's going to help us with the recruiting process. Are the current facilities that bad? I mean, is it is it Harview or is it really just because everyone else is doing it, you have to do it?
1: Yeah, well I didn't, talking to guys, because I didn't get uh, to go on any other recruiting trips, so I wouldn't really know a lot about what other facilities look like, but just I when I went up to see you I thought that everything was the locker room was awesome they had the video games and the sweet chairs and then the lockers huge and uh, the locker room is really nice and looks out onto the field and stuff so to me I think we have awesome facilities but if you go to something like Alabama I remember Coach Brown sending me videos of their facilities and they got like uh, we have like a little uh, in our training room we have like a little place for our cold tub and like guys have to wait to sit out but there's this like half a football field long you know and they all can get in there that's just something you have to compete with. When you were up there at CU as a
0: player were you conscious of message boards, social media, fans interacting with each other is that something that affects you as a player can you tune that out or is it Close to impossible to do? Uh,
1: well, my grandma is one of those big message boards. Okay. She likes to get up. I don't think she talks or anything, but she just likes to look. So she would mention stuff to me, but it didn't really mess with me except for giving me maybe a little bit of motivation. But um, I think athletes sometimes can look into that too much, but you really just got to think about your teammates and inside that locker room. That's really all that matters, you know, at that time. But Fans will talk about what they want. They're they're awesome. Like I loved our fans, and we just can't get into the negative stuff.
2: Do you think fans understand how hard it is to be a college athlete and succeed out on the field? Oh
1: yeah, we definitely had some kids that would try and be walk-ons or come to tryouts, and they would give up a lot. They wouldn't uh, they wouldn't last very long. And that's some I didn't know. I like, heard stories about how hard it was to be a college athlete and then you don't really know until you get into it. I remember the first training camp I had, I was i would go to sleep, we'd get home and we'd have uh, practice, meetings, practice, meetings again, and then you'd have meetings until like 12 o'clock at night and you'd get to bed and it felt like you were blinking and waking up the next day and having to do it all over again, so that's some like, it's it's hard. And not a lot of people can do it.
0: You don't ever see the player's post on a message board. Is that something that you're told you do
1: not participate in that by the coaching staff? Or? You just don't want to get into that stuff. You just let the fans talk and uh, they have their opinions. Everyone has their own opinions. But yeah. as an athlete, you just have to you have to stay in that locker room. Do they monitor
0: your Twitter account? Did, uh, not that you ever put anything controversial yeah. on social media, but do you hear of
1: other teammates maybe tweeting something and getting... Reprimanded because of that? Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, I've had, I've said some dumb stuff on there before, just heat of the moment things where you regret putting it up there at all. And I remember this last year, I said something like revenge tour on uh, social media. And then it had some, it was in some uh, article or something like that. And I remember Coach Mack, he didn't like the word revenge at all. He just thinks that uh, revenge is, some that uh, is more like an anger thing instead of like a pride thing, so um, there's definitely some things on social media that you got to double check what you're putting on there before, and guys have gotten in trouble with it, especially like a guy like you're right, who had gotten yeah. in trouble big time over.
0: So you said you're going to keep a close eye on this program, you're going to take pride in success that they have down the road, which particular players are you most anxious to see kind of grow as their careers transpire? Which- Which guys do you point to and go, that guy's got a huge, really high ceiling?
1: Yeah, all of those guys I'm excited to watch next season and see how they grow. But especially being a defensive back, I just want to see all those guys keep uh, progressing and getting better. Guys like Greg Henderson, who's going to be his last year, I'm excited to watch him. And uh, even Ken Crawley and... uh, Jared Bell and Terrell Smith, all those guys. I just can't wait to see him play next year. And, but definitely another guy is Addison Gillum. I remember taking kind of him under uh, my roommate and I, Alex Wood. We took him under our wing all summer long and made sure he was working hard. And uh, I'm not going to take any like anything away from him by saying I had anything to do with his success at his last season. But um, I think that I'm excited to watch him keep playing. He's a great athlete. Player.
0: Addison Gillum seems to be kind of a lead by or you know let his play on the field do the leadership for him. He was named the team captain as a sophomore. Seppo Lufau also as a sophomore named the team captain. Was there a point last year when Seffo Lufau really gained the respect of the locker room? What was it was it a game like UCLA where he gets knocked down and keeps getting up? Was it was it a toughness thing that really sold him on, on you guys back in the locker room?
1: Yeah, it was definitely a toughness and maturity. He had a Coming in as a freshman, not really even thinking that he might or, or even going to get any reps that uh, that year. He came in and I think he did a great job. Uh, I think he had a lot of confidence in the huddle. That's something he need as a quarterback. And um, I'm glad that he was named captain. I think the quarterback is uh, should be named captain. And I'm excited to watch him play next. Year.
0: If there could be one thing that, that CU fans remember about you during your career at CU, what would that one thing, what, what do you want to be remembered for as a CU football player?
1: Uh, just that, that Buffalo Hard Award. I think that's just how I played. I just gave everything I could out onto the field. And uh, I think I want to be known as one of the biggest hitters on, on, in CU history. I think that... Uh, Dave Platy he actually mentioned that to me one time. He said that I was, he told that to my brother, and that's something I want to be known for, I guess. But just giving it all out on the field. What other hits
2: stand out to you besides that? Of course, if you they're you all.
1: <laughs> most of them were penalties. <laughs> I do have a highlight tape on YouTube. If you'll check it out, and it's called the hashtag the role model because uh, just the Eminem song, the first song is called the role model, but it's kind of like. He just he doesn't really want to be a role model for kids, but that's kind of just how I play. And you want to play hard, but you have the penalties and stuff like that. But there's some big ones. I had one against uh, Arizona State. I got kicked out of the game, actually, for that one. And then there's another one, a couple
2: against CSU. But uh, if you want to check it out. Um, when you get kicked sure. out of a game like that, what, what do you Did you just go oh, sit yourself? That's the worst soccer?
1: thing, too, because. You get kicked off, you can't stand on the sideline, so I was sitting in there like, they had to escort me out on the field, and all the Arizona State fans are like yelling at me, like cursing at me and stuff like that, and then, and then you go into the locker room, and you have to just sit there by yourself with like, no TV, I remember sitting in there, and then Alex with my roommate, actually got a concussion, and he actually got to come in there and sit with me, <laughs> but we are just sitting in there like... Just so angry about the game, really, because it was kind of out of hand already.
2: So you, could, you couldn't you even see what was going on in the game. You're just sitting yeah. there, like, twiddling I your think, Yeah,
1: they finally let us, like, in the third quarter, they moved us into another room where we could watch the game. But feel for like a, a while, you're just sitting something. there, just like, what should I do? <laughs> like, I'm gonna go take a shower, get, I guess. they take away your
2: phones, too, before the game. Yeah. As as you can get on your phone. I know,
1: yeah. i was just sitting there. I took a shower. And it was just, you just have to think about what happened.
2: Man. It was a terrible experience. <laughs> Do you think that rule is kind of out of line a little bit?
1: Yeah, I think, well, they at least get to go back and check it. So the hit was kind of, my helmet hit first, but the guy was falling down. It's kind of hard. The, the rule is uh, is definitely tough
2: on the referees for sure. How hard is it for you? I mean, you're all, you're trying to hit, yeah. drop a big hit, but you're yeah. I mean, you're not trying to go helmet. Oh home yeah, it's them. definitely yeah. It's tougher on us for sure
1: because, I mean, growing up they're talking about if you're a defensive guy you want to play hard and you want to knock people out and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and then they kind of take away that that part of the game, and you kind of have to change your whole way of playing. And I think defensive backs can get hurt if they go too low and they're hitting their head on like a knee or something like that. I know that's happened to me a couple times, and I don't know. I think it should go both ways, too, because I know that some guys on offense would come, and they definitely, like one of the concussions I had against Oregon that year, this guy came and just helmet-to-helmet right in the head, and they didn't call any penalty on him or anything, so I just think it should be double-sided. What's the
0: most abrasive fan base that you faced? You, face? you talked about Utah with their, their yeah. chocolate
1: milk. What's the what's the worst fan base that you
0: that you faced?
1: Um CSU for sure. <laughs> just even growing up, going to those games, just uh, the atmosphere it is, just fans yelling back and forth, chanting when their uh, their fan base will get on you, especially because I've lost a couple of those games and uh, you get that for 364 days, you know, 365-day like arrival. Well, this
0: was a great show, Parker. We really appreciate you coming down. We appreciate oh, yeah. Chris Fuselet, the owner of the Blake Street Tavern, for letting us do the show at his establishment again. I went with the, the tuna salad went healthy today. Parker, what did, what did you I do? I got
1: the pulled pork sandwich. That was good.
0: I went with wings. Wings, right. as usual. classic on my mind. Classic menu. wings. Yeah, this, this is a great time of year to come down to the Blake Street Tavern. Obviously, it's a block uh, from Coors Field. Parker, you're going to the, the Rockies game later today. It's, it's a great place to come, so we definitely encourage you to come down. And Parker, thanks again for coming on. I, I know Colorado fans really appreciate the insight into the program, and and you're a Colorado kid. I mean, you, you are Colorado <laughs> through and through, and so to be able to hear from you about your experience at, at CU is great. We really appreciate you coming on the show.
1: Oh yeah, thank you very much for having me. Uh, this was a great experience, and uh, I like talking about CU and, uh, all that all the time. So.
2: Hopefully next time, we, next time we have you on, you'll have some uh, some NFL gear. On oh, yeah, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully I get that Broncos hat on. But, no, any team, that would be great.
0: So we'll be uh, keeping a close eye on which team uh, signs you. Uh, and then, obviously, keep a close eye on, on your career going forward. Parker, thanks for coming on again. And everybody for listening in, we appreciate your uh, listenership. And we will be back with the new Buff Stampede radio later this month. Thanks again for tuning in.